So there we have it. Qatar have officially won Group A at the Asian Cup, which might go down as one of the worst groups we will ever see at an international tournament. This video is going to be a bit different than usual. I'm going to go team by team and kind of give my analysis and maybe even a grade for the Chinese and Lebanese who have been eliminated from the tournament and then a little bit of a prediction for what we can see from Qatar and Tajikistan in their round of 16 game. This video will also be a little more analytical. It's going to be a bit nerdier. Yes, there will still be jokes and banter because this is Deadball TV and we never get away from that. Just know the edits will also be pretty minimal. And throughout this video, I will be asking you, the audience, several prompts that I have prepared. I would love to hear what you guys think about what we have just witnessed in the comments. Before I give my breakdown though, if you guys like videos about the Asian Cup, if you like Asian football, if your favorite team is in Asia, or you just want to see more videos covering the region, make sure you hit subscribe. Here on the channel, we are going to be doing live streams, match reactions, or both for the knockouts of the Asian Cup, so don't miss that. For those of you who are unaware, Qatar have won Group A with 9 points. They took 3 dubs here, 5 goals scored, 0 allowed. In 2nd place, we have Tajikistan, the debutants, congratulations, 4 points. In 3rd, China with with two and last Lebanon with one point. We're going to start with China in today's video and that's because I think their spot in the standings is the most shameful of all the teams here. Yes they may have finished in third but a pot two team coming into this tournament and scoring zero goals and finishing with two points is embarrassing. This is the first time that China has been eliminated from the group stage since 2011 and it is also the first time in China's history at the Asian Cup which spans 13 editions of the tournament that they have not won a single game. The 2023 Asian Cup was also the first time China has gone an entire campaign without scoring a goal. Their previous low in goals scored at a tournament at the Asian Cup was two, and I believe that was back in 1968 when Iran won the tournament. So this is a historically poor showing from a national team that isn't even that good to begin with, and the rot with this team looks to be so deep that it's not even in a state of decay anymore. I mean, the carcass is gone. There's no bones left. It's just dust. I guess on the bright side, this is also the first time that China have only conceded one goal at the Asian Cup, so... Massive W in the chat? All jokes aside, when we're talking about China, I'm going to come at this from an angle that might surprise people. And what I mean by that is, when you look at Juranovic and this Chinese national team, and you look at how the game's played out, the game plan itself almost worked. Think about it. If that goal against Tajikistan that's called off for VAR for impeding a defensive player, if that goal goes in and they win that game... Masterclass from China. Would it have been the ugliest brand of football that we've ever seen? Possibly. And you know what? China ball is disgusting. There's really no ability for the defense to play the ball out from the back. Uh, there's no creative midfielder whatsoever. And their most dangerous player, and arguably, you know, one of the best players of all time, Wu Lei, looks beyond finished, guys. I really think Juranovic knew the limitations of this team. He looked at it and said, All right, what do I have? I have a good back line. I have a physical team. I have a pretty good goalkeeper. And I have some decently threatening fullbacks. So what he did is he set up the team to be defensively sound and to score off set pieces. That was the game plan and really it should have worked. Maybe I'm completely off one here, but I don't even think Juranovic should be sacked for this showing. I already said that if that goal goes in against Tajikistan, they're through likely with four or five points, but they should have be Lebanon as well. Like y'all, how many sitters did China miss in this tournament? Three? Probably one against Qatar, two against Lebanon? I mean, if you're a team like China that's not going to create a lot of chances, you need to be clinical. 
tyrannical and you need to put that away. And because they didn't, they're bound out of the tournament after a good defensive showing, but zero goals scored. And if we're being honest, the one goal that they allowed is an absolute screamer from Alhaidos off a corner kick. It's a world-class finish. That's what it took to break China down. So defensively, I'm looking at this team and I'm saying... Mission accomplished. Now, offensively, I'm looking at this team and I'm going shambolic because that's really the only way I can describe China with possession. The entire offensive scheme that Juranovic had set up was cross the ball endlessly, set pieces. China had seven accurate crosses per match, which is third best in the Asian Cup, second highest in successful cross percentage, only behind Indonesia, and yet they have nothing to show for it. And the main reason they have nothing to show for it is that the center forward play from China, I'm going to say it, is the worst of the tournament. The Chinese number nine, right, Yuning Zhang, who's trying his best Chogesung impersonation, is a fraudulent footballer. I don't know what this guy can do besides sort of hold the ball up and sort of press. Outside of that, he wasn't really a target man. He wasn't really creating his own shot. I don't think the guy has any touch whatsoever. He's a dreadful footballer. Wu Lei was so bad that he got dropped for the Qatar game, the final and must-win game for the Chinese national team. I guess technically they could have drawn, but they didn't want to, and I refuse to believe that they were playing for the draw, okay? They obviously did not want to bet and put their future in the hands of Tajikistan and Lebanon just beating each other up to a draw. And that's really where the story ends for China. Uh, offensively, a team that is devoid of any ideas whatsoever. Um, I thought Tyus Browning was probably China's best player at the Asian Cup. Um, him and Zhang Linpeng, very good tacklers individually, but neither of them can pass the ball. Yan Yunling, the goalkeeper, I thought, again, pretty decent showing from him overall. He only gets beat by Ohidos outside the box, and I don't think there's a keeper at this Asian Cup who was saving that shot. And I guess I'll shout out Liu Yang, the right back as well, who led China in chances created at the right back position with five. Five chances created from your right back over three games. I mean, that's why this team is down bad. Honestly, the biggest dub for China at the entire Asian Cup was I got to see them wear their away kit twice, that like teal. You know, I know some people found that to be a howler, but uh, actually it's one of my favorite and most underrated kits at this Asian Cup. But outside of that, I mean, there's really not a lot to celebrate here. You guys let me know in the comments, number one, do you think the away kit is fire? But more importantly, do you think that China, the best thing for them to do is to sack Yoranovich and go in a different direction? If I had a bit money on it he probably will be sacked because china needs a scapegoat right there needs to be somebody to blame and i think that Yoranovich will be that person to fall but i don't really know what my man was supposed to do outside of outside of what we saw in three games chinese football is in such a terrible place right now i mean you look at the other you know east asian countries and southeast asian countries as well you see these exciting attackers marcelino bak din you see guys like Supachak from thailand even with the teams that are doing horrible like Malaysia, you still got Arif Iman, you know, at least you've got like a beacon of light. What is the beacon of light with China? Is there a beacon? I, I really don't think there is. It really is time for a complete full reset of the Chinese national team, but I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what the U23s look like. Do they have guys that they can promote to the senior squad? Do they have a stud who's 20 years old, who's a dual nat somewhere that they can call up? I really don't know where China goes. I'm tempted to say the only place they can go is up because of this embarrassing showing. They're 79th in the FIFA ranking. I, would be, I mean, they gotta be like 90 to 95 after this tournament. I mean, that's that's probably where China actually is, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe this isn't the bottom. Maybe we're seeing get knocked out 
in the the immediate you know round two of world cup qualifying maybe that's actually where china's headed right now you guys let me know in the comments but we're gonna go ahead and move it on to qatar the team that won this group and my god how comfortable was it qatar will probably be the team that i speak the least about and that is because i just think group a was so bad and made qatar look so good that i think a really in-depth tactical assessment and analysis of the Qataris is kind of pointless because as soon as they play a decent team, which might happen in the round of 16, depending on how you know the pieces fall, but it's likely not going to be until the quarterfinals. I mean, that is when we're going to see Qatar tested for the first time. Some of y'all definitely think I'm hating, and I think I am hating a little bit, but I just refuse to believe this team is actually good. Now, who is good is Akram Afif, who continues to be the front runner for the best player of the tournament award. Um, I mean, probably got the easiest assist of his life today to Alhaidos with the screamer that we mentioned earlier in the video. But outside of that, I mean, the guy has been a one-man wrecking ball for Qatar. I think he is a little fortunate to be playing the teams that he is playing against. I think if he goes against a team with a double pivot or a midfield that is even half decent, I don't think he'll have the time and the space that he's had in these first three games. But, you know, I'm going to give him his flowers for what I've seen so far. One talking point that I do think is relevant that I want to touch on with Qatar is that uh, in today's game against China, which they did not care about at all. I mean, because everybody else in Group A was just trying to be the least terrible team uh, at the Asian Cup. They played an entirely rotated squad, basically, except for Barsham and... I really wasn't impressed by anybody. In fact, I was extremely disappointed by Abdurasag, who I thought was one of Qatar's very few bright spots at the Gold Cup when Qatar were the invitee. I thought he was terrible today. And honestly, I think he's been terrible in every game that I've seen him at. And I got to think that if Qatar play a good team, which they have to eventually, right? Like, surely they're not going to just have, I don't know, UAE in the final or something. And it's just like a cakewalk up until then. I mean, I'm praying to God. But, you know, I like to think whenever they go to the knockouts and if a game does go in extra time, or maybe it's in regular time, but one of their stars goes down, you're looking at that bench, I don't really know who you bring on. I don't really think there's a difference maker on this team. I mean, maybe Mustafa is a, a decent player uh, in the midfield that they can kind of rely on but man outside of that it's just a lot of dead wood in here one thing that i have been impressed with by qatar and again uh impressed in like eight point font all lowercase no underlined no bold certainly not uh and, and a giant asterisk next to it is they've been very good at not conceding good chances to their opposition um and again i think a lot of that has to do with the quality of the opposition i mean by far the best attacking side in this group is tajikistan by far and the tajiks we're gonna get to them next but you know they're not exactly the all-star team is what i'm trying to say here with qatar it's the saying you can only be who's in front of you right it's not their fault at least i don't think so unless there's some bribery charges that i don't know about it's not their fault that they had the most trash group in the history of the Asian Cup. And I'm going to stand on that. If there's a worse group, let me know in the comments. That's not their fault. They did what needed to be done. They took care of business. And they took care of business without really sweating. They were in third gear this entire group. And that's something to think about because I think it's actually a negative if your group is too easy. Because when they do play a better team, how many times have I said that in this video, and the intensity is high, it could be a bit of a shock because maybe the most intense game in this group, I would say, was probably Tajikistan. I think that was an intense game. 
China, maybe they were really going for it near the end during the plus 10, but just no quality whatsoever to really scare the Qataris. We could see a situation like Korea or Japan where they get punched in the mouth by a team that's ready to go and Qatar think that they can just cruise through the game and do they have the quality to come back? I don't know. Now, Qatar are set to play the third place team in C, D, or E, which is likely either Indonesia, Palestine, Hong Kong, or Bahrain. You guys let me know in the comments what the dream and nightmare matchup would be for Qatar, and I'm going to give you guys mine right now. For me, I think the dream scenario for Qatar is either Bahrain or Hong Kong. I was kind of going back and forth. I think I'm going to settle with Hong Kong just because those guys have no prayer of scoring whatsoever. I think Bahrain are a little more set in their ways. They are a little more defensively sound. I don't think there will be quite as much space or time for Akram Afif to just, you know, do whatever he wants like he's done so far in this tournament. Palestine is kind of like, uh, you know, they don't want Palestine, but they're also not going to be quaking in their boots at the thought of having to go against the mighty Palestinian national team. I actually think the nightmare scenario for them is Indonesia because I think Indonesia of these teams has the most danger going forward and they are the most physical of these teams. I mean, for God's sake, the Vietnam Indonesia game was one of the most one-sided physical matchups I've seen at this Asian Cup, and I expect Indonesia to bring that same energy should they be one of those third-place teams. And I think going forward, players like Marcelino are the most dangerous wingers that Qatari fullbacks have had to face at this Asian Cup. You know, I think Pedro, uh, Qatar, bang average defender at that. Um, Homam, I think he's pretty good, um, but I'm not even sure if he's a guaranteed starter, you know, based on how this tournament's gone. What's my guy's name? Lucas Mendez. I think he can be got. Uh, he won't be on Marcelino's side. But what I'm trying to say is I just think the counterattacking ability of Indonesia, the individual skill of their attackers... And the fact that they're going to foul Qatar like there's no tomorrow, I think that makes it a difficult matchup for them. Should Qatar still win? Absolutely. They're the home side. They're the defending champs. They were at the last World Cup, and they're playing Indonesia. If you guys disagree with my assessment of the nightmare and dream scenario for the Qataris, let me know in the comments why. You know what? I guess it could technically also be the Samurai Blue of Japan's campaign. Keeps going the way it's been going. I think it's fair to say that ain't what the Qataris want. Me as a Japanese fan, I'm praying to God that Japan finishes third now and gets to play guitar in the round of 16. Next up, we got Tajikistan, and these boys showed just enough to get it done, and my God, it wasn't easy, was it? I was stressed watching this game, and I had no emotional attachment to the outcome whatsoever. Tajikistan are debutants in this tournament. They are the only debutants at this tournament, and the fact that at their first ever Asian Cup, they have finished second, albeit in the worst group of all time, is already a massive success. I really do not care what happens in the round of 16, and we'll get to their possible matchups later in this video. I don't think it matters. This is a dub. The Tajiks overall have a very physical play style. They have the fourth most fouls per game at the Asian Cup with 16, and they like to play attacking football. Even though they don't have great individual talent, they do have creative outlets, something that a lot of teams at this Asian Cup simply don't have, and that's why they're just crosses FC. That's really all they do. Cross, pray, cross, pray. Tajikistan don't have to do that that much. Their main man, Jalilov, I felt like has grown into this tournament. I was not impressed with him after the first game against China, but I think he's gotten better and better. I think he's just getting maybe a little more comfortable in a role that's not the exact replica of what he does at his club. Regardless, he was pulling the strings today, and if they're going to have any prayer in the knockouts, he's going to have to have a big game. Overall, Tajikistan, I've already commented that I don't think the quality here is amazing. I don't think it's great. I, I probably wouldn't even say good. I know I'm hating, but that's just my opinion. I, you know, I think they're pretty average, but the sheer volume 
of chances that these guys create eventually led to them scoring a goal. Two goals, actually. They had two goals scored from the group stage off 43 total shots. So this is what I'm talking about, man. The Tajiks, it's a little frustrating. I respect the brand of football. I respect the tactics. But they do not have a finisher on this team. I don't remember when I said it. Maybe it was after the first group stage game or maybe it was in the prediction video. But nobody on this team has 10 goals for the national team. And that is very, very obvious. We had a moment of brilliance from a free kick goal that eventually drew the game against Lebanon. And then they go on to score another scrappy goal, a really, really good header to get the win and get their first ever W, their first ever three points at the Asian Cup. And I don't want to take away from that. Defensively, I feel like the team has proved that they're okay. You know, certainly not a, a wall of the back like the Syrians, um, or maybe not quite as defensively sound even as the Lebanese. Uh, you know, of course, the red card changes everything. And I'll talk about Lebanon next, but you know, I thought thought that Safarov, he's had a pretty good tournament. Both fullbacks, really. Nazarov as well. I think they've been solid. Uh, the CBs, I feel like they're doing their job. You know, they're pretty good in the air, quick reaction time, but maybe not the best at, you know, reading passing lanes and one-on-one and -on -one challenges. And then Yatimov, the goalkeeper, I thought he was pretty bad against China in the first game. But again, he too, I think, has grown into the tournament a little bit. And you know what? Maybe I'm being too harsh because this is their first ever Asian Cup, and I'm sure there were some jitters. And I think Peter Zirkt has done a great job of calming the team down, obviously giving them a sense of belief to come back down a goal uh, and get the three points against Lebanon here. Look, it's a great story, and I'm just going to end it at that. Now, the Tajiks are going to play the runner-up in Group C, which is likely to be the UAE, but based on how Iran looked in the last game against Hong Kong, it could be Iran, which would be wild. If it's Iran, then it's 100% RIP to Tajikistan. I hate to say it. And if it's the UAE, it's probably 97% RIP to Tajikistan. Again, I just don't think they have enough <laughs> to get a result against a good team. Are they going to go out without a fight? Hell no. These guys are going to scrap. They're going to foul probably get a red card in this game. Maybe they have a moment of brilliance and get a goal, but I don't think they're good enough to beat a good team. Sorry. Finally, we have Lebanon, who will finish their third campaign at the Asian Cup without making it out of the group stage, which is very sad. In fact, in nine games total at the Asian Cup, the Lebanese have managed just one win. Watching Lebanon leading up to the Asian Cup, uh, it was very obvious that this team is really lacking teeth whatsoever. And to be honest, maybe somewhat ironically, the game plan for me uh, was very similar to China's, which is basically keep the game close at all times. We don't want to concede a lot of goals because if we concede twice, we're going to lose because we are just physically incapable of scoring two goals in a game, you know, and then try to get a moment of brilliance from Matuk, one of our other forwards. And speaking of Matuk, the captain, I feel like overall his Asian Cup campaign was pretty solid. I um, mean, I'm looking at it, six chances created, uh, four shots on target, over 50% successful take-on rate, 80% pass accuracy. But at the end of the day, it's not enough. Now, they did finally score a goal, and that was in the final game against Tajikistan today, and it was a moment of brilliance from Jradi. You know, one of those moments of brilliance that, similar to China, they were just going to have to kind of hope eventually happened. And there is some quality in the attack for Lebanon. I mean, it's near the bottom of all teams at this Asian Cup, but it is there. We got that moment, and really... Lebanon just needed to hang on because you weren't going to get more than that. Zradi is a very frustrating player. Even watching him against Qatar, it was like, this guy's almost good, but it's like I can feel his arrogance through the TV screen. And I just, again, maybe you get a goal from him. You did. That was all you could have asked for. Once El Zayn got that red card, though, against Tajikistan, you kind of felt like, at best case scenario, these guys are getting a draw because, you know, again, there's just no way this Lebanese team, how it's currently composed with the current players, with the current play style, 
and down a man, there's no way they're scoring more than one goal a game. They had one really, really, really good chance in extra time. I don't remember who hit the side net. It might have been Buchiel. I'm not 100% sure, but again, just there it is again, the lack of teeth, the lack of a finisher. Outside of Matuk, nobody has more than 10 goals for this Lebanese national team side, and it was on display. Looking at the stats for this team overall, second in clearances per game in the entire Asian Cup at 27 clearances per game, third in tackles at 15, eighth in fouls committed. I mean, it was a it was a impressive defensive showing out of necessity. But again, when you are not scoring goals, when you're a team that wants to play like this and then you concede and you're not scoring, it's done. Lights out, game over. I thought the Lebanese manager did what he could. I thought it was very smart to put Omar Bouhiel and Hassan Sroar in the starting 11 after the Qatari game because <laughs> during the Qatari game, man, those guys couldn't string three passes together. And the distribution did get better. They were able to move the ball a little bit more against China and Tajikistan than they were in the first game. But again, who's scoring the goals? The answer was nobody. If you guys need a data point to back this up, you can look at Lebanon's shot conversion rate for the entire Asian Cup, 2.9%. I've dragged teams like Hong Kong and Palestine several times in this tournament for not being able to finish. Hong Kong, 4%, which is still abysmal, and Palestine, 7.1%. Damn near triple what Lebanon is doing. Lebanon were getting their opportunities too. They're fourth in the Asian Cup in shots per match at five per game, just behind Jordan, South Korea, and Saudi Arabia. So they were getting those opportunities. Again, the game plan, you could say, was working pretty well. They were getting good shot creating opportunities, but who's gonna score? At this point in time, I don't know what the Lebanese need, but I feel like similar to China, it's a massive refresh. This is a very old squad, and again, I'm not familiar with the state of Lebanese youth football, but you gotta think that guys like Matuk, they gotta be done after this you know the back line not very young I want to say both CBs are like 32 years old or something last time I checked they need some new ideas and they need some young blood in this national team I don't think that this Asian Cup is a massive disaster for Lebanon because I don't think they were ever supposed to do anything at least I never expected them to do anything if you guys disagree let me know in the comments tell me why it was a catastrophic failure but I'm going to maintain that they did basically exactly what I thought they were going to do had Lebanon gone through it in second place I would have thought that was a massive dub and that is it, guys. That is my recap of Group A at the Asian Cup. We got the Qataris and the Tajiks going through. Let's see what they can do in the knockouts. And the Chinese and Lebanese are going home uh, completely unsurprisingly uh, to me. Actually, that's not true. I did think that China were going to go through and just kind of, you know, play some Tortuga football and scrape a dub by, by you know, whatever means necessary. But they were unable to do so. Um, guys, if you enjoyed this analysis, make sure you leave a like on the video and hit subscribe again so you don't miss the daily Asian Cup videos dropping here on Deadball TV. Check out the social media links in the description of this video, and I'll see y'all in the next one.